Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of KSAM Media. This is going to be a KSAM Engineering Podcast. Uh, hey, Casey, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you, bud? I'm um, hanging in there, you know. It's a busy weekend. Uh, we got we did a 5K like run walk fun thing today, so did that here this morning, and then yesterday we did. Um, Reagan had a birthday party for two of her friends, and uh, they went to like a bounce house thing. So uh, me and Christian went and hung out with Derek and uh, watched a Nebraska game, and then while Bree and Reagan were at the party, and then they just came over because it was right by their house. So. Right on. Kind of a busy weekend. Right what's what's going on with you, man? Not a whole lot. Uh, let's see, yesterday we worked the store here, um, and then last night we went up to Pat and Sarah's and watched the uh, Badger game. Um, we went home about half time, so I actually don't know how that game ended up, but it wasn't looking good when I left. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't turn out in our favor. I'm pretty sure, man. Yeah, I think you're right. I know I saw Nebraska didn't <clears throat> do too hot either. So, yeah, no, they didn't do so hot. They did all right in the beginning, but then it got kind of ugly. Yeah, yeah. So, how was that 5K this morning? Uh, I did pretty good. Got first place in my division for 30 to 39 year olds. So, got a little medal. Go. Reagan thinks I won a teapot. <laughs> Reagan's like, you got a, you got a teapot, and I was like, yeah, I guess that's what you want to call it. Yeah, so she got, she was wearing it after the race. She went to High V to get groceries and whatnot for the week. And so she was wearing it around there. I got my teapot and I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's Something awesome. she came up with. So, yeah. But yeah, how, how was uh, Northern New York? Good. Yeah, it was fun. We did a lot of hiking and, uh, a lot of waterfalls through New York, so that was kind of fun to see when we went hiking around there. And then it's over the Finger Lakes as well, so it's huge hills and valleys kind of ending in this deep lake. Um, so that was fun. We did a brewery uh, for the rehearsal dinner, and then the wedding was in this old chair factory that got remodeled and revamped, so it was a pretty cool venue. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's cool, and you got to see most of the family was there, or? Yeah, so Sean and Scott, all the kids were there, all the the grandkids were there, uh, except for Nick's family. Nick was the only one that was just him by himself, but everybody else was there. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the day we left, so uh, yeah, it was Labor Day, that Monday, uh, we went to the New York State Fair because it was like 20 minutes down the road from the airport. Um, so that was interesting. Um there was a parade that wasn't much of a parade. Uh, there was like oh. thousands of food stands and probably about a hundred wine slushy stands. Um, not not nearly as oh, popular funny. as like the Minnesota State Fair or the Iowa State Fair, but that was interesting. Uh, that's pretty cool, and it's kind of cool to see some of that stuff. You know, go to a different state you normally are. Yeah, in. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's cool. What uh, what did you uh, take away from Rutabaga? Good time, bad time? Yeah, I would say Rutabaga overall, overall was a success. I mean, the store did really well, so that's always nice to see. And then uh, had a lot of fun, you know, going to the bands every night and um, staying out way too late. So I've been taking it easy ever since, really, trying to recuperate from that weekend. But 
uh, overall success. Uh, how did you think it went? Um, yeah, I thought it went good. Uh, we, uh, my family had a good time. Uh, like you said, it's having the race for me was a little bit tricky just because I obviously want to like party and do some things and enjoy a vacation. But at the same time I committed to, you know, running the Rutabaga half marathon. So that was, um, kept me from going out, but I mean, I had a blast. I thought Saturday night was great. Um, you know, just fun to be back in town and, uh, you know, have something going on in Cumberland because a lot of times if we come back, we come back for, you know, something, you know, special, like let's just say a wedding or whatever. We don't really get to enjoy Cumberland, but like over Rutabaga, since there's stuff going on downtown, like it gives us a reason to like go into town and hang out there and not just spend all the time on the lake. So that's kind of nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. For us. So, yeah, I think it was overall it went great. You know, we had a good lot, like a pretty good amount of family time. And so, yeah, the weather was yeah, not good balance. It wasn't the best, but it was, it could have been better, you know, but it was, at least it didn't rain. It was the, what it was cold. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Not too bad though. Helped with the, the run. I'm sure not being so dang hot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, yeah, so, but you know, then again, your the trade off is then the lake isn't as fun. But you know, Reagan had no, a yeah. few extra days on the lake, so she had, she was, uh, she was loving it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, does uh, does so, Reagan uh, go to four K? No, preschool this year, or is it still the so daycare? No, she, she's still at the daycare right now. Oh, okay, because um, she doesn't, she didn't hit like the cutoff to be in four K this year. So gotcha, gotcha. where she's okay. going to our new where we're like going at new, she is kind of like, it's like a three, it's kind of like a three, four K pre school, I guess. It's not, they have like a curriculum and they do stuff every day and they have like a, uh, you know, like a learning plan and stuff. So that's kind of nice. So yeah, so she wouldn't go to four K or, you know, like a preschool till next year. So yeah, one more year, but yeah, so we're still doing our new daycare and just, uh, working the lumps out of that. So just kind of new routine, yeah. different place to go. It's not yeah, always absolutely. the best, but we're getting through it. So, right on. but, uh, so then I think we got to hit our next kind of, uh, segment of this, uh, for KCM engineering. And what that's going to be is hopefully we're going to do this monthly thing or, maybe more frequent is, you know, I'm going to take some time and give Casey some welding terminologies pre beforehand and kind of have uh, a welding talk here, like a welding one one uh, you know, just over what my knowledge is. Casey's going to learn, learn some more. And then hopefully if you guys are interested, uh, we're definitely interact with us and let us know what other topics we should maybe bring up. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess to so, point out, uh, I'm kind of a novice when it comes to welding, so I'll uh, I'll definitely ask some questions that uh, might sound dumb, but uh, I hopefully it's it's more of clarifying for everybody else. Um, but yeah, let's get started. Let's get into it. So today, um, one of the like things that Case Am Engineering will be able to help you with is a welding program. And what a welding program typically is, what I'm talking about or what it consists of is going to be uh, three to four kind of main items and those are going to be a welding procedure specification also known as wps a proceed excuse me a performance qualification record which is a pqr 
and a welder performance qualification or a WPQ. Um, some other codes reference uh, WQTR, which is a welder test qualification record. Uh, they all kind of work in the same thing. And then the final one will be welder continuity. And so the f for the first one, um, the main thing is going to be WPSs. So what WPS or welding um, procedure standard, uh, excuse me, welding procedure specification is an overall document that you hand out to your production welders or somebody taking a welder qualification test that is a range of values for a certain welding process such as like stick welding or TIG welding or uh, MIG welding. And it's going to lay out um, the positions, the voltage, the amperage, any essential variables uh, determined by the code in which we are welding to, whether that's an AWS or an API or an ASME, um, that all kind of just depends and will uh, kind of push you in the way of what the WPS will look like. So what a WPS really is just doing is giving our welders a good range, base range to start within to produce a um, high quality production weld that uh, passes the code or standard that we're welding to. Casey, if you have any questions, um, you know, just stop me. Yeah. Yeah, I do have one. Um, so your WPSs are used based on the, the kind of the assembly, right? Like, let's say you're doing a weldment and it's this specific weldment with this specific material and thickness and, and type of welding. That's what your WPS is outlining is all of those specifications, all the things you can control. Is it go by yeah. assembly? Yep. Yeah, uh, not by assembly, but what you're trying to do for a weld procedure is you want to, um, which kind of takes us to the next component of this, is when you are developing a weld procedure, you want to find the largest range that covers the most amount of production welds that you have. So if you know your plate thicknesses range from three-eighths to three-quarters, then we know the max we have to weld thickness-wise is three-quarters of an inch. I would make sure my weld procedure specification is qualified up to three quarter and then also make sure that all of my welders are taking a thickness test thick enough to get over three quarters and still cover three eighths. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So the, the next thing you would do is, okay, let's just say we have the rough parameters of the material thickness, the type of joints we want to have, whatever weldment joints we're looking for. Then we're going to go to a, excuse me, a procedure qualification record or a PQR. And this is the document in which we're taking the actual weld test we're going to use to qualify the WPS or the welding procedure. So this, we're going to have a welder physically take a weld test in a certain position with a certain groove, um, a certain type of joint that's going to qualify us for the largest range in a WPS and we're going to take that and when the welder's welding we need to take exact variables of his like travel of their travel speed um, <clears throat> of the amperage the voltage or any essential variables that are deemed by like your AWS or ASME code and we're going to document those 
um, exact values. So then when the welder's done taking that test, we'll send it to an NDT lab, or you can do it in-house if you have the capabilities, like a bender and a tensile puller. And you'll go and actually destructively cut that test, that um, procedure qualification record test up. And then we would take those values from the tensile poles, the bends, whether they're satisfactory or not. And we would put that onto the PQR, which then would qualify us for this WPS. Gotcha. So how do you... So does, yeah, so how do you measure the the travel speed of the weld because i mean isn't it kind of like a hand motion i mean it's all about the skill of the welder so how are you tracking that speed okay so when we're talking about travel speed of a weld yeah we're talking about the weld the time in which how many it's a it's a value in which we find it inches per minute or i think centimeters per minute depending on which scale you're using and how you do that is you take the welder and you have him weld you have him start welding on the plate or pipe right and you have him weld weld all the way till he finishes and you time him with a stopwatch got it okay he or she with a stopwatch and then we would measure how many linear inches of weld he went in that amount of time so if it took him two uh, minutes and he went 12 inches in two minutes then that's he's traveling at six inches per minute right right i thought it was going to be more complicated than that but that makes more sense (laughs) yeah so it's really actually really basic and a lot of the information you're just trying to get are actually like coming off your welding machine because it will tell you you know your amperage your voltage um if you're needing shielding gas that's off of your regulator so a lot of those things are preset and they're easy variables to fill in Uh, whereas like the travel speed is one where you would um, need somebody to kind of time you to know how fast you were traveling. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so then that would get your PQR and then the next step in the whole kind of welding program process. And this is the, the biggest step, which a lot of customers or clients want to want you to have, or want people to kind of want something to see. And that's a welder procedure, excuse me, a welder performance qualification record. So, or WPQ, and that's an ASME term. So what this is, is this is the qualification record. So when we have a qualified PQR to qualify our WPS, then we have our production welders take a um, weld test. And depending on the code and what you're trying to qualify them for would depend on the test you would give them. So, you know, based on thicknesses, positions, and what uh, assemblies or components or field welds this person is or isn't going to have to make. And so we give the welder that test. After the test is done and we provide, somebody proctors it, provides it was in the correct position, whether it's vertical or 6G, and we can talk about weld positions, you know, in another episode. But... We would make sure that the welder takes all that, that they fall within the WPS. And then there's two ways. You can either destructively test the weldment they made or you can non-destructively test. Now, not all codes allow both. And some of them have sometimes where it is okay and sometimes where it's not. Um, So the main way to test destructively is to cut your test into pieces and then um, grind them smooth 
and remove all the reinforcement and bend them um, two roots and two faces or four side bends kind of depending on the code or um, standard we're working to or qualifying our welders to then <clears throat> you would do that or um, other ways x-ray uh, a lot of people just do a non-destructive test they have them shot with an x-ray and they say good or bad and so those are kind of two ways. And then <clears throat> after that individual takes the welding test, um, then we write up a, you know, a WPQ for that welder in which then we would store within our program. And then that brings, once we have multiple welders that are qualified through our welding program, we need to have a welder continuity um, record tab where we're tracking how often <clears throat> and how, um, our welders are using each process, whether it be MIG, stick, or TIG, because most um, proceed or most standards and like uh, code books or code welding code, um, you need to weld every six months with that process to stay congruent and continue to have that qualification with your company uh, or with whatever organization you're working through. So I know that some union contractors um, and locals have a welding um, third party that tracks the continuity and then each contractor kind of sends it in as welders come work for them so that they all can stay congruent on their welding qualifications. Got it. So who typically administers these tests? <clears throat> uh, so somebody like myself, like a welding engineer or a welding supervisor typically is going to administer the weld test. And really, you're not watching the welder per se the entire time, but you're making sure, hey, he's got it tacked up. The tack up and the fit up of the weld joint meets the criteria with inside our WPS. His welding machine is set up within our WPS criteria. And then just make sure you kind of watch him run a few or, you know, at least make sure when he's welding, it seems like he's following all of the like the what the WPS lays forward for you. And then just overall making sure he's not, that person's not cheating because, um, you know, a lot of weld tests are going to be done in position. So they're not going to be just sitting flat on the bench. You're going to have them, you know, in a vertical position or overhead or on like a 6G a pipe that's at a 45 degree angle. So those are a little bit harder. You just want to make sure that person's not cutting it off and putting it on the table and rolling it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And then who typically does the test? Is that mostly in-house or do you have to send that out most of the time? So like if you destructively test uh, the inspection, yeah. So if you do a non-destructive testing, so if we use x-ray, uh, typically unless your company has, you know, x-ray technicians, you're using a subcontractor or a third-party supplier that does just non-destructive testing. Uh, you know, services. So then you would send it to them and then they would shoot it for you in their convenience. And then if you're gotcha. going to cut and bend them, most shops, I would say, have the ability to take their, uh, I'm just going to use you take a three ace plate test and you weld your three ace, two three ace plates together. Um, and we cut out our slots using a torture grinder and we buff them all clean. There's a lot of hydraulic presses and basic applications where you just stick that one inch wide strip 
uh, into a bender and you have a mandrel size and they sell them. And then you just use a hydraulic hand crank press to push it down and bend it. And what you're looking for then is to see if the weld metal itself breaks or has right. any tears in it. Because then that would cause your pass fail. Because in theory, the, the weld itself has got to be the strongest part of the entire piece, right? Yep. Yeah. So in order for a weld engineer to like do your job, your job is to make sure that the weld is the strongest piece, that the material itself fails before the weld. Right. So that's kind of our goal as welding engineers. Um, and, you know, what we're trying to do is just make sure, um, you know, as a weld engineer, another thing is just making sure when you come into a company or um, something KSAM can help you with is, we can come in and kind of look at your WPSs and look at what qualifications you're trying to get your guys and help you uh, maybe change your test a little bit or change the thicknesses to fit better within the parameters or give you a wider range of qualifications. Gotcha. Because, so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of codes have loopholes and, you know, without reading through them and knowing the fine details, it's, Sometimes you can get lost, you know, and you can be doing more welding procedures and making more procedures and having your guys take more tests, which does like prove that they are maybe a little bit more congruent, but it also is costing you money. Right. So kind of optimizing the number of tests required to be qualified and still have a good control across all of your welders. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's kind of uh, you know just another some stuff I'm in my past I've dealt with you know through a couple different companies and just helping them get on track and you know reading through the welding section of each of the codes and kind of understanding it and finding you know the little loopholes and the not maybe not so much loopholes but the you know the fine print or the places where you can see hey if I qualify on this material I also qualify myself for all of these other materials you know, and vice versa. Right. So do you find there are some companies that have more WPSs than others just because they do a wide, more wide variety of work? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So if you, um, you know, companies that work in powerhouses or chemical plants, they'll have a lot of different weld procedures. And even for people who have worked on like older equipment, because the materials throughout, like uh, the low alloy materials, the stainless materials, the high strength stuff has kind of changed throughout the years. You know, I'm talking from like maybe the 70s, 80s, 90s, even till today, they keep kind of improving the low alloy metal market, if that makes sense, and fine tuning it and tailoring it to whatever customers or whatever end users need to build a product if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So for like um, working in a service company, we have a lot of weld procedures that are for materials that aren't really being made. There is a counterpart that's like an upgraded version, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, or is this, you know, so the some of the stuff just doesn't e exist, although it falls within, you know, another grade that we can replace it with. It's just having those things and making sure that they all kind of line up within whatever code you're in. 
Could you uh, re- reiterate where KSAM engineering would fall into this whole process? Yeah, so KSAM engineering, I think what we can offer is, um, you know, helping look at what maybe your weld program is today and where you would like it to be for a customer or um, even if you don't have a weld program and you're looking to start one and you just want some help uh, getting that set up and coming up with some documents and even help um, create what's the weld, what's our PQR look like so that we can have the best WPS that qualifies us for the largest range of uh, items, you know, and making sure that it meets whatever your customers or whatever your end users that are requiring you maybe to upgrade your quality system or upgrade your welding system or show that you have qualified welders, then this we're just going to be able to help you provide the documentations, kind of set up your program and hopefully get this built. So then you can continue to show or grow your company, um, you know, and do bigger and better projects. Right. And uh, what is there a professional organization that kind of controls the expectation of these well programs? Is it ASME or? Uh, so AWS is kind of the main, the oh, main right. player in the welding, uh, welding community in America. And so that's probably the number one. But number two is ASME. ASME is more pressure vessels and boilers and piping. That's right. kind of more their, what they're curtailed to. And they have their own standards. So, but they, but AWS and ASME are, you know, similar enough that, you know, setting up a weld program either way uh, is not, you know, not anything we can't help with. So I think it's just that we are, we can potentially offer a service to help you as a, since I'm as a weld engineer, I can help kind of set up the program, talk through what PQRs, what WPSs are we looking for and where would, you know, what testing could we do to, uh, you know, obviously minimize the cost of the testing and then also get the widest range, uh, the best kind of bang for our buck for each test. Gotcha. Makes sense. I don't think I got any more questions. I think you've answered everything I've come across. Okay. So, yeah, I think that this is, uh, this went better than what I kind of expected. I felt like I talked a lot today, but if you guys enjoy this, you know, definitely let us know. And, you know, if you guys got welding terms or stuff you want us to talk about, just message us, let us know. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for uh, filling me in. Uh, Like I said, I'm a novice. So this definitely helped. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be able to uh, continue kind of doing this and we'll, get a little bit better. We'll get more welding knowledge in you and can have some good conversations. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. All right. Well, everyone, you guys have a good evening.